One of the busiest weeks of the NFL offseason is here, but our focus today will be on the draft and the big trade by the Carolina Panthers over the weekend that obviously has implications on the Colts. Good Monday morning to you. Kevin Bowen, Eddie Garrison is with me. Eddie, again, we will focus mostly on that trade. Carolina moving from 9-1, to one, uh, the domino effect that is for Chris Boward and company, uh, but also... I do want to hit briefly on free agency. Things can get underway as early as noon today, so um, we don't want to, I think, focus too much on it because things can change very quickly with free agency. This podcast will be, again, a lot of draft-centric stuff with that trade, um, so the timeliness of it should be there uh, for a while, but I do want to touch on Taekwon Lewis and just some brief Colts free agency thoughts. you have a good weekend, man? Yeah, I did. I uh, was able to watch some college hoops. Because, you know, March Madness is in full swing now. Was able to catch up on some NBA action as well and see what our teams are looking because uh, we're nearing the end of that. We are, yeah. Month regular season. NBA season. Yeah. Beautiful time of year. How about you? Yeah, a lot of basketball watching. Pretty pretty relaxing. Um, nothing, nothing too crazy on that end. So always love mid-March for that reason and then to know that golf season and the Masters is right around the corner. I-24. <laughs> yeah, it's the, the early it's, it's right to next to the free space. Yes, thank you. Yeah, yeah, you can go horizontal there, maybe even diagonal on that one. Um, let's touch on Taekwon Lewis. I am a fan of Taekwon Lewis. I'm a fan of this deal in that uh, Joel A. Erickson had reported one year, $2.3 million. We had Joel on our morning show earlier today. And he pointed out a lot of injury incentives within this deal, playing time incentives within this deal, which makes sense because, Eddie, the biggest issue in Taekwon Lewis's career has been health. Mm-hmm. He's played five seasons in the NFL. These are the amount of games he's played in those five years. Eight, nine, 16, eight, and seven. He's missed 34 of a possible 82 games. Obviously, he's played double-digit games just one time in those five seasons. So, you know, in a way, he's kind of been the Paris Campbell of your defense, and he's he ruptured his patella again, different knee, but again, about the midway point of last season. I do think, Eddie, if you look back on each of the last two years, you have seen some decline in the depth and production of the defensive line when he has been lost. He is versatile, he's consistent, he's trustworthy, and he's productive. And those are all words you want as a coach, and mm-hmm. you really want it on the defensive line. Again, when healthy has been the biggest issue. I think the fact that the Colts have signed him for a second straight offseason for one year, and in this case they did it on Sunday, Chris Powell doesn't usually do that. So this is something I think to point out that like they like him a lot. Mm-hmm. I think Tyquan realizes his market obviously wouldn't be immense, so it, it makes sense for him to return here. Uh, but as an early outside guy on rundowns, slides into the interior on the pass downs, I'm a fan of this move. Yeah, it's a solid move. I would say he's one of those guys, like, remember going in, I think it was the Combine last year, where uh, Ballard said, you know, regarding Paris Campbell, that they can't count on him to be the second wide receiver and the guy, and like you said, he is the Paris Campbell of the defensive line. You can't right. really just shoo him in there for double-digit games, but when he's on the field, you know you'll get productive snaps from him. And let me make this abundantly clear, defensive line is still a big need yep. this offseason, and Again, I've been more of a Yannick Ngakwe advocate than most. Um, it's not a great. We'll see how the next 48 hours play out. It's not a great, you know, 
defensive line free agency class, really. Is that, is that primarily why you're such a big advocate? Well, I, I just think you still need some bodies. I mean, you have a nice four- to five-man group right now on paper in DeForest Buckner, Grover Stewart, Quiddy Pay, Dio Adangbo, and Tyquan Lewis. But I just still think it, you want diversity within those five. I don't see a lot. I don't see enough diversity within those five. You don't have a speed rusher mm-hmm. in that group. I don't think Quiddy is that. So that's where I kind of point to and say you want to make sure that you have different types of ingredients and not just some repeatable ones. Uh, but again, I am a fan of this move. Um, as far as others or just in general free agency thoughts, how much room do they create? Matt Ryan, Nick Foles, what about Ryan Kelly? What about Kenny Moore? Um I don't think he'll fall on this page, and the cap savings is not immense, but should Mo Alley Cox factor in at all? I, anytime a guy has kind of an underwhelming year after signing an extension, mm-hmm. I think you typically throw him out there. I would say no. It's one of those things where if you cut Mo Alley Cox, Eddie, and then you let Paris Campbell walk in free agency, who's your oldest pass catcher on the team? Is this a trivia question that you know the answer to? Sure. Michael Pittman? Yeah. I mean, it's more a rhetorical thing, I Kylan guess. Kylan Granson? Than, than anything. Yeah. I mean, Pittman, I guess, from a draft standpoint, was drafted, um, what, a year ahead of Granson? So, I don't know if you're going by age or NFL yeah, experience. I, it, both. I mean, what I'm getting at is you'd be incredibly inexperienced in that room. And if you are going to draft a rookie quarterback, which, of course, we will get to, um, you know, I think something that we should never lose sight of is, you know, when Andrew Luck and Peyton Manning both began their NFL careers, you had some really reliable veterans for them at those pass-catching spots. So I do think that is something that you've got to make sure that you look at here this offseason. So that's a question that I have. You know, if I were going to throw out kind of a free agency needs list, I know you're not going to check all of these boxes, but I can understand the debate in all of them. I mean, you need a veteran quarterback. I think you need another pass catcher, and I would still say that if you resign Paris Campbell. Offensive line, I think you need a starter in the in the interior. I think you need a swing tackle that can be some insurance policy there. Obviously, I mentioned edge rusher earlier. Uh, and then cornerback. You know, if what happens with Kenny Kenny Moore uh, is gonna impact that a lot. I still think you need to double back in the draft, considering the age of Stephon Gilmore. So those are some areas that I point to. And lastly, I would just like to see a little bit more activity from Ballard. I've got to grow. I can be stubborn. I mean, those are his quotes. Um, like, I think you just have to understand what the market calls for. Mm-hmm. And if you want to find the most proven, productive players in free agency, this is the week you have to be willing to spend that. That's the market. You can't dictate the market. You've got to adhere to the market. And last year... You know, Ballard has been a huge, huge proponent of 12 months out of the year, I can find guys, Ooh. this and that. Well, last year, you couldn't. And you didn't. They didn't really make attempts no. offensively to find other guys. And I think that is what has to be frustrating if you are a Colts fan. Um, and you can make things work. I mean, you can manip- manipulate the cap. And I do think there is a little bit of an owner involvement in this that you've got to be a little bit more understanding of the prudent nature has not worked. You've got to make some tweaks. You've got to make some adjustments. I'm not asking for a 180, but you can't just stay where you are right now. Uh, and I'd as be- I've said before, Eddie, when he's used it, 
I can point to more hits than misses, yeah. particularly early in the week, whether it's Jabal Sheard or Autry or you know Eric Ebron or you know Xavier Rhodes is kind of a late week one guy, but all of those you would consider wins. So. Um, anything else just quickly on the free agency front before we get into the trade? Yeah, I was just going to highlight some of those veteran wide receivers that you uh, that you would wish the Colts to go after. There's Adam Thielen, uh, DJ Chark. I mean, he's still 26 years old and feels like he's been around for a handful of seasons. Uh, Marvin Jones and Alan Lazard. Those are kind of like the more I like veteran Lazard. guys. Um, I, I like him. Eddie, kind of similar to D-line and needing the speed guy. I think you need some speed at receiver, especially if Campbell goes. Yeah, and again, I don't. I think there's mutual interest to bring Paris Campbell back, but you know we've talked about this now for the past couple of weeks since the combine when it kind of hits you of like, oh wow, Jonathan Gannon used to be in Indy, Frank Reich used to be in Indy, Nick Sirianni, Matt, Matt Eberflus. Naturally, people make connections to the yeah. previous stops. That's just how you do it. Same thing with the Eagles. You know, the Eagles have a lot of free agents, so Shane Steichen going to have some interest, or or tell Chris Ballard that those are some guys to go after. So. If and when the Colts make some news, we'll double back with the free agency pod later this week. But I did want to focus on the Carolina trade from over the weekend. Yeah, I was about to say I was going to make a transition off of that and say the news that Colts fans should be, or were monitoring, I should say, uh, were the Carolina Panthers doing something for Frank Reich. They went out and got the number one overall pick. Um, it's going to cost them the ninth pick of this year's draft, their first round pick of 2024, Carolina's second round pick in 2025, and wide receiver DJ Moore. And Thoughts, KB? The second rounder this year is like 61 overall. Yep. Is that right? Yeah. Um, thank you for mentioning the trade package because I do think that's something that I want to focus on here. I'll, I'll start general. When I initially saw the trade, before looking at what Carolina gave up and any of that, my initial thought was the Colts have lost even more control. Mm -hmm. You don't have an immense amount of control when you're drafting four overall, but you've got more than you know 13 overall and 18 overall, et cetera, et cetera. But what happened on Friday evening was a non-quarterback-hungry team moved out of the top four and a quarterback-hungry team moved into the top four. And in mm-hmm. this case, the number one overall pick, of course. Mm-hmm. And I think it's worth adding, the team that moved up is the team that has the most connections, potential intel into the Colts building of yeah. all the teams in the NFL. With Frank Reich and Brian Decker, those are two key components to the Colts draft. And I'm not saying they know Chris Boward's board one two. 1,000, but you have draft meetings in December. Brian Decker was still a part of your organization in December. Brian Decker is a guy that would have been going on the road and, you know, looking into some of these personality type guys. So, And he was a part of the coaching search process as well. And I'm not sure how often quarterback came up in terms of the draft. So there's that aspect to add into this as well. Yeah, that that is a really good point. Um, so I, I say all of that to just again summarize in short if i if i could just tweet it out a summary is that you have lost some control and i thought reggie wayne summed it up great on twitter reggie wayne tweeted man it just got real yep and and like urgency was real for the panthers clearly and now you're going to have to hope and you're going to have to develop if you still want to go down the quarterback 
route. And I say more hope and more development if you want to look at it from that end. Um, let's focus on the trade package, Eddie, for both teams before we get into the ramifications of it Colts-related. I get it for Carolina. Their owner's uber-aggressive. Uh, Frank Reich just came from a position where he had a lot of quarterback turnover. Um, Carolina also has had a lot of quarterback turnover. Yep. It sounds like C.J. Stroud is the guy that they like. Theoretically, then I guess Bryce Young would go two. I know there's some some reports from Carolina they like Anthony Richardson, but think one is just a little too high for him. It's a division that's very much up for grabs, so it's their opportunity to kind of seize it. And if you're going to hire a head coach like, like Frank, you can look at it one of two ways. You can look at it and say, oh, he can— you know, we don't have to make that big quarterback splash because you know he can kind of help us offensively and kind of help us at the quarterback. Or you can say, why not give his biggest strength as a coach the, the exact person he wants or the person he covets the most? So yeah. that you can really kind of um, emphasize and you know develop and grow that massive strength for you and put him in a position to succeed. Correct. Um, I wanted you to point out, Eddie, that it was the 61st overall pick for a reason. Carolina still holds their own second rounder. That's the Christian McCaffrey second mm-hmm. rounder they're sending to uh, Chicago. So that's San Francisco's, of course. They still have the 40th. They also have their third and two fourths. So they didn't totally mortgage their draft here this year. They obviously gave up some in the future, but it's not like they Ricky Williams, Ricky Williams did. Yeah, you know, it, you know, so. It, I think that is worth mentioning. For Chicago, it's pretty obvious. The DJ Moore trade was, or his aspect to being in the trade was huge. Um, I get that for Justin Fields. That makes total sense. And I thought Ryan Poles did a really nice job of making sure he's got enough ammo in 2024 and 2025 to, to do multiple things. Either you continue to support Fields as he gets deeper into his career, or if you need to pivot, You've got some ammo to go ahead and pivot with getting the first rounder next year and then getting the second rounder in 2025. I guess kind of going off that, I'll start with this. When I saw the trade package, it was a reminder of the Colts' issues to me in that of I don't think the Colts could have put this sort of package together. I don't think that package would have had to be that big. You could make that argument. Going from nine to one is a, I would say, I have to give up a pretty hefty package, which right. Carolina did. Yeah, again, going from four to one, it's not going to look apples to apples. But by all accounts, and understandably, the difference maker in this trade package was DJ Moore. Mm-hmm. And it's a reminder to me of think back to last offseason, Eddie, when you saw or you heard about, hey, who's going to get Deshaun Watson? Who's going to get Aaron Rodgers? Who's going to get Russell Wilson? Who's going to get Devontae Adams? Who's going to get Tyreek Hill? Now, not all those guys were, were traded, and obviously not all of them necessarily worked out in their other spot. But they all were big names on the trade block, and I said this a year ago. The Colts can't get involved in any of them. The Colts weren't in a position last year to do anything of substance because they didn't have the first-round pick. Yeah, I could make the argument the Colts aren't in a position again to put together a trade package as attractive to get to one. Like, it's one thing to decide you don't want to do that. It's another thing to not have the ammo to do that. And I don't think they have that because a couple key points in the trade package to me. Again, Carolina had the two second rounders. Yeah. So Carolina viewed that as, hey, 
it's a blow, but it's not a major blow. Whereas if you're Indianapolis, you only have one second rounder. If you have to give up that, that could potentially be a deal breaker on your own end of like, man, we can't even come back in the second round. And, or the third. And, and pair him with that. The Colts do have Washington. Oh, yeah, that's right. That's right. They do have Washington third rounder. But you aren't in a position where you have these multiple second, third, or fourth rounders. Again, Carolina's got two fourths. So they still feel like they can handle it. And Carolina got to a point last season, Eddie, was they said, shit, this is not going well. We're firing the head coach, firing the defensive coordinator. Yeah, we can still compete in the NFC South. And credit to Steve Wilkes for you know putting them in the mix and continuing to have them in the mix deep in the season. But at some point they said, running backs? All right. Christian McCaffrey, it's been a hell of a ride. We're moving you. And they did that. And they got a key piece back that they can make this trade. The other element to this is DJ Moore. And to me, it was a reminder of, and for those that don't know DJ Moore's career so far, five years in the league, been very durable, and he's had a trio of 1,000-yard receivers, or excuse me, 1,000-yard seasons with very poor quarterback play. In those handful of years. The Colts have a roster with talent. And you could say elite talent at some spots. But again, not at the most important spots. And that's why this trade worked. Chicago's not doing that trade for a guard or for a running back. They're doing it because it's a receiver that can help Justin Fields. And that, to me, is a reminder of this is a team in Indianapolis that is void of that top-level talent at the key spots. Could Michael Pittman grow there one day? Potentially. But he's not there yet. And that was probably one of the first things I thought of. It was just a reminder of you're unable to do something of this magnitude. We can argue if it was too much for Carolina and all of that. That's fair. But I don't think the Colts could have put something together that A was attractive enough, and B, didn't have a huge blow. I mean, it's a blow to Carolina's draft picks, obviously. Mm -hmm. But they still can maneuver a little bit with what they have. They still have a good amount of draft picks in their stable. Um, And they obviously believe if they get the quarterback, that's the thing that matters the most. Um, So I would say that was one of my first takeaways. It was just one of those, man. Colts, they got to be on the bench for a lot of these. They can't even go on the field and and, and think about it. Um, I tweeted this out Friday night, and you know I could make an excuse that you know it's kind of a chaotic moment at the Bowen household at six o'clock on a Friday or whenever this trade broke. Um, And I should have been I should have provided a little bit more clarity on it. But I said that you know third quarterback choice. Because right now, if you look at the draft, assuming QB goes one to Carolina, assuming QB goes two to Houston, we'll see about Arizona at three. The Colts are getting the third quarterback choice. And you get a lot of pushback two ways. A lot of people are saying, well, it's no guarantee that Arizona doesn't trade out of three and another quarterback team jumps you. That's totally fair. That's a great point. The other element that a lot of people were saying was, well, maybe the Colts will get their first quarterback choice. (laughs) <laughs> Maybe they'll have whatever, Levis or Richardson, just playing out the hypothetical we've kind of gone with on on this show so far. Maybe that guy will be their number one quarterback. Now, you laughed, Eddie, and I'm not going to laugh. But let's, again, continue that out that hypothetical. 
what I mean by the third or fourth quarterback choices when Roger Goodell announces the first round. If the Colts take a quarterback at number four, it will be the third time Roger Goodell's mentioned a quarterback coming off the board. Yep. Or a fourth. So what I'm saying by that is you've got to dodge bullets. You you don't have the first choice at quarterback. You don't have the second choice at quarterback. You might not have the third choice at quarterback. Oftentimes, when you talk about trading up to number one, Eddie, it's not necessarily that you maybe think that that player separates themselves so far from the group. Like, that is the overwhelming best quarterback in the draft class. Yeah. You're paying to choose first. Like, literally make the first choice. You walk into a gas station, your buddies are all there with you, you all want the same candy bar, if you beat them all in there, you're getting the first choice. Yeah. That's what you want. And so that's what you're kind of paying for. Not the analogy I would have first thought of, but yeah, I get it. Yeah, I visited a buddy down in Atlanta last week, and I made some quite quite the gas station purchases that I kind of regretted. Uh, not at the time, but uh, which I guess if I continue this analogy, maybe that maybe it's, <laughs> that, that wouldn't be a good thing for the Colts. Uh, but what I'm getting at, Eddie, is this: you you have you can have several examples of the third best quarterback in a draft turning out to be the best, Josh Allen, in 2018. Uh, you go back to. Deshaun Watson is not better than Patrick Mahomes, but you know Watson was a good choice back in 2017 as a third quarterback. Um, again, Joe Burrow is better than Justin Herbert, but Herbert has been a very good QB at number three. But again, you've got teams above you that are not only going to draft a QB in all likelihood, but you've got a team in your division in Houston, and you've got that team in Carolina that probably has the most intel of anybody in the league about what your plans are. So that is the concern for me. It's that you've got two quarterbacks out of your control and potentially a third. So, again, poor wording on my part. I wanted to make sure that I clarified that on the podcast. It's not that the Colts are necessarily getting the third or fourth quarterback on their own board. It's that they've got to hope that the teams above them don't draft the number one and two guys on their board. That gets me to the next point. If I'm Chris Boward, one of the first moves I make this week is I trade up with Arizona for three. Yep. And I do it as soon as possible. Because Arizona's pick is gold. They are the first breaking point of the draft. Eddie, they control the draft right now. Yeah. You're gonna you know, again, carry out the hypothetical because it's be chaotic if we try to play out more than one. CJ Stroud one, Bryce Young two. Boom. Arizona. They don't need a quarterback. How many teams are calling Arizona right now? Um, I'm going to say Vegas. Now, why did you mention Vegas? Bring this up to me because you because you mentioned this before the start of the show. So I, I can't remember where I saw this, but somebody on Twitter said that Dan Graziano stated that the Raiders were in the running for the first overall pick with, uh, with uh, Carolina, but the deal breaker for Vegas was that they didn't have a DJ Moore type of player that they were willing to part with. So that gives me the thought that, you know, Las Vegas, they have the quarterback question mark right now since they've departed with Derek Carr. They still have offensive weapons around that quarterback to succeed. They tag Josh Jacobs. They have Devontae Adams. They have Hunter Renfro. Uh, and they have Darren Waller. So, I mean, if you're walking into Vegas as a rookie quarterback, you're like, holy hell, I hit the lottery. You are. And I think it's good to mention Vegas. I'm glad you brought that up because, Eddie, I've often mentioned the teams at 5 and 6. 
Seattle at five, and then they have the 20th pick. Detroit at six, and then they have the 18th pick. So, if you're Arizona right now, you can either get the top defensive player in the draft, or with a new GM and a new head coach, a defensive-minded head coach, you can do a number of things. You could trade back. I mean, you, you have so much control. So, I view moving up to three in a couple of reasons why I do it. One, again, you can get the quarterback pick of the third guy that comes off the board. You don't have to dodge one more time. That would be advantageous. Two, if you go up there, now the Colts are fielding calls. You know, I mean, they might, teams might not call as much because they assume the Colts would take a quarterback at three. But in the next month, if another team falls in love with one of these QBs, you know, what if, let's use Vegas. What if Vegas Eddie has a private workout with Anthony Richardson on March 29th? And all of a sudden, Josh McDaniels is like, Oh my gosh, we need him. Mm-hmm. We need it. Like that—that that is the thing that kind of pushes them over over the ledge. Well, I want to be in a position to where I'm sitting there as the first breaking point of the draft, and now Vegas is calling me to say, "Hey, I know it might be a long shot. What would you think about if we tried to trade up with you?" The—that is why I would go up to three right now. I have a question. Yes. Do you think the Colts could get a first round pick for DeForest Buckner? I do, yeah. Hypothetical here. Hypothetical. Colts stick at four. Carolina, or not Carolina, Arizona trades that third pick. Colts are sitting there with Will Anderson and Jalen Carter on the board. Ballard has preached and preached and preached. He could take a quarterback to get the media off his ass. He sits there and he sees Jalen Carter and he drafts Jalen Carter. You clear up some cap space if you ship off to Forrest Buckner. Yeah, it's interesting. Maybe yeah. you get back into that, you know, mid-range first round, get a wide receiver. It's just food for thought. And maybe, and then second, third round rolls around, and you see them take a Hendon Hooker or somebody like that. Yeah, I um, it's a good point. I, it's just a different scenario that I could just see Ballard doing. Yeah, being because you know, ba- of him being Ballard. The more defensive-minded scenario that I thought of was, Eddie, if you told me right now that Detroit again trades up to whatever, five, or excuse me, three, they take a QB, and you're sitting in there at four, three QBs are off the board. What if I told you Will Anderson could be a double-digit sack guy for the next decade? I wouldn't disagree with you. Massive position of need, a team, a position that you've swung and missed on quite often in the draft. We just talked about the free agency approach, yeah, and what's that missing ingredient on the defensive line right now? The other thing, as Friday night moved along, and maybe it took a cold one or two to get in the system before this started to brew. <laughs> no pun intended, but. And listeners of this podcast will know full well this is not my line of thinking often. But the more I thought about it, the more I'm thinking, should they wait? Should they call Lamar Jackson? Should they trade back? Should they take Will Anderson? All those thoughts ran through my head. Should they call Green Bay? And I'm not saying... And not for Aaron Rodgers. And I'm not saying I necessarily agree with any of those things I just said. But they're thoughts that you have to have. And you've got to ask those questions. Um 
what I kept on coming back to is, man, when you go 4-12-1 and one, and you're sitting with the fourth pick and you have no quarterback and you don't address it, you want to talk about a swing and a miss? Everyone thinks tanking is just a given. Everyone thinks it. Oh yeah, just you know, collapse for Caleb or whatever the acronym <laughs> is going to be next year. All of that. I think you just started it. But just like teams don't tank well. I mean, the Colts had historically bad quarterback play last. You think Shane Steichen is going to want to tank? Think, no. You know how that works for coaches, especially in your first year. You're trying to set the tone. You're trying to create a different culture. You're trying to. Houston has fired the coach each of the last. You know, two years after one year. Like, yeah. that is the last thing head coaches want to be doing. So, all of those thoughts have popped into my head. Again, I don't like the the Lamar Jackson thing because I don't like two first round picks. Yep. I don't like all the guaranteed money into his 30s. Look at Michael Vick. Now, and does. Are, are they apples to apples? No. But look at Michael Vick at 22 and 24 yeah. in MVP type seasons and how that transpired the rest of his career. Now, again, there's some off the field stuff, obviously. Lamar Jackson has missed nine of 33 games the last two years. That yep. is, what, a fourth, a third? That's a big chunk. And I think it's worth pointing out Eddie, those are games he's missed late in the year as the wear and tear of a season ramps up. That would concern me on that front. You're paying him into his 30s as well. You know, Hendon Hooker's name now pops into my mind a little bit more. I don't think Hendon Hooker, Eddie, would get all the way to 35. I don't think he's going to be there in the second round. I could totally see him go at 18 to Seattle, um, or I think think it's the Lions at 18 and Seattle's at 20. Hooker? Could he go there? Now, some team, some people don't view him as much of maybe a project, you know, like others. So, you know, Seattle and Detroit both have veteran QBs that, you know, maybe they could bridge to more of a developmental guy. But basically, I, I think Hendon Hooker will go in round one when it's all said and done. So, you know, do you want to trade back into round one for him? Um, these are just all thoughts <laughs> that have run through my mind since Friday night. Another one is. If you do draft a QB at four, you are banking a lot on Shane Steichen. And that's part of the reason why you hired him. That's because of his diverse quarterback background. You're banking a lot on development with that with that selection. Um, anything else with this trade, the impact of that? Um, I mean, it is all just incredibly fascinating now because I feel like with the trade becoming official, not from the Indianapolis side, but on the Houston front of this, now I feel like this almost guarantees they take a quarterback. Because before, I was like, I don't know. I mean, if Chicago does really end up holding on to this pick and nobody can really come to agree to terms on a on a, on a uh, on a package deal for it, maybe he, maybe Houston sits there and be like, you know what? We'll pass on a quarterback this year and we'll take you know, the best defensive player in the draft. But now when you look at it, it's Carolina and then it's you. And then you've got Indy at four and there's going to be a possible another team there at three to take a quarterback. I don't know. The thought of me, uh, of Houston passing up on quarterback now seems very, very minimal. Yeah. And again, predicting what teams are going to do and the players slotted for those teams is probably a bit of a long shot. But if you... The reports from Carolina are C.J. Stroud. The reports out of Houston is Bryce Young. Alabama ties with D'Amico Ryans. C.J. Stroud, I believe, is a Watson agency, if I'm not mistaken. You know, 
Nick Casario has been a guy that I don't think would slam the door shut on kind of a smaller quarterback. So what we're looking at is Will Levis or Anthony Richardson, if you follow that that hypothetical out. So again, just to close out in summary, my main takeaway is you've lost more control. You you have lost more control, and it's a team that's not just another team that's also trading up. I think that adds to it, and now the domino effect is how do you view the third pick? You know, how do you view Shane Steichen's role in all of this from a a developmental piece? And then again, Eddie, it's just a reminder of where you've been at as a franchise. The Colts have been in this really weird situation where they've missed the playoffs, they haven't won the division, and then rock bottom hit on um, last season and going 4-12-1, and and yet they still aren't in a position to where the quarterback draft pick seems definite, obvious. I, I, I think they'll still take one when it's all said and done, but now you just have to have other questions. You have to ask yourself you know, different sorts of scenarios and, and run through those and play, play those out, all of those things. The odds now for the first pick overall – Last week, before this trade, it was Bryce Young, and I think he was like minus 210. It is now C.J. Stroud minus 300. And Anthony Richardson is plus 300, and Bryce Young is plus 400. Yeah. Do do, do they go further? Do they go any further, Eddie? Yeah. Do they go to the Colts? Uh, No, not yet. They have first receiver drafted, first tight end drafted, first offensive lineman, first defensive player, first corner, uh, team to draft player. Team to draft Anthony Richardson, Colts are first at plus 350, Carolina at plus 450. So theoretically, if you wanted to, if you wanted to bet Anthony Richardson to be drafted by the number one overall, your better route is to go with team to draft him because it's you get an extra 100 odds there. Look at that. Eddie Garrison putting money in your pocket right there on Kevin's corner. Uh, fascinating. Fascinating how it's all going to play out. Um, you know, you can rip Carolina all you want. It, it's certainly a big trade package, but I do appreciate a team that's willing to get their bat off, off the shoulders. It, it, it's a franchise that's been stuck a bit. They see the division as a chance to capitalize on it. They're taking a big swing, and if you don't get the bat off your shoulders, you're going to be stuck in quarterback purgatory or as a franchise, you're not going to be in a position to try and achieve what you want to achieve. And in my opinion, again, that is try to win multiple Super Bowls in the decade. Final anecdote here. Team to draft Hinden Hooker. The Colts are plus 2,000. Your favorite are the Buccaneers at plus 1,100. Really? Okay. Bucks and Baker Mayfield, did I see that? Is that the rumor? Oh, I hadn't seen that one. Uh, okay, let's get to Twitter questions, Eddie. Again, free agency-wise, we'll probably focus a little bit more on that on the second podcast coming up later this week. Darren's question is first. With as much as the Bears got from Carolina, what would have Chris Ballard done if the Colts had the first overall pick and they had that offer from Carolina? Um, That's a good question, Darren. I, I think without a QB, Eddie, you can't go all the way back to nine, right? You can't. I mean, I think he was assuming that they were in the same position as Chicago. Oh, okay. Well, it, that if would you're, be me. 
like he was the general manager of he was Ryan Poles. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I guess if you are Ryan Poles, then then yes, I could definitely see Bauer doing that. But if let's say the Colts would have gone whatever one and fifteen, one and sixteen, like let's say they would have the number one overall pick with this current roster, um, I, I there's no way you can move back to nine again. I would have been in a situation more if you felt really good about who was coming up with you, like who was trading with you, to go ahead and trade back to two. You know, that's kind of – if I were the Bears, I think you could have done a couple things. You could have played the multiple trade-back game. Or in this case, I and, and you mentioned it earlier, I just think the DJ Moore piece is so important to them. Mm-hmm. It is so important because you guys have heard me say this a lot. And Justin Fields, is, I think, is entering this. You've got to get Fields right. Yeah. And he hasn't had great, great skill. And it's kind of a breaking point. It's year three. You know, there was whispers of Chicago drafting a QB at one. And they obviously quieted those with this move. But um, it's just, it's a very unique year, Eddie, in that you have one in three that don't need a quarterback. Yeah. Chicago and Arizona. But yet, like, and then you and then you go a little step further and like five and six had these veterans that either got them in the playoffs or almost got them into the playoffs. Yeah. They're in this weird scenario and they both have additional first round picks a little bit later. You've got Philadelphia there. I mean, they don't they don't need one, theoretically. Um I mean they definitely don't need one. So it's just it's kind of an odd year in the top five. In the top ten. It is, indeed. Uh, Zach is up next. He says, Chris Ballard's nightmare situation comes true. I kind of t- alluded to this a little bit earlier. He isn't able to trade to uh, to three with Arizona. The three quarterbacks that he liked are all off the board by pick four. What do you think he would do, and what would you do? Again, Eddie, I- I'm pausing for the first time. You know, I- I'm pausing and-, and thinking about And this is me. I, I guarantee you. Ballard has already thought this through, and Ballard, I think, would be very open-minded to the idea of a if Will Anderson's giving you a dozen sacks into the year twenty thirty. That is something you got to acknowledge. Um, I mean, I think if the Colts somehow walked away with Will Anderson at four and Hendon Hooker at twenty six and whatever, you gave up a future. Third, I, I don't even know what it would cost to go from thirty-five to twenty-six. I mean, there would probably be some Colts fans that would sign up for that. What would you think about that haul? Bless Will you. Anderson four. God, is it allergy season? Will Anderson four, and let's say you trade up to uh, twenty-five to say Hooker, give up a future third. Man, I don't know. The part I just I just don't know how I feel about Hooker. Sure. Fair. Totally fair. Like, now, Devil's Advocate would say, you know, you aren't totally mortgaging it. You know, of course. Um The only caveat to that I would say is if Anthony Richardson is there at four, I would still take Anthony Richardson. Would you take Levis? No. No. My comp for Will Levis is either the good version of Carson Wentz, if he gets the proper coaching to get the mechanics down and processing processing and whatnot, and somehow, I don't know how he would do this, but you improve his pocket awareness and his ability to feel pressure, uh, then I would, man, that is just a lot for me to, you know, to kind of swallow and try to yeah. teach a guy. But like with Anthony Richardson, the ceiling is the moon. 
like was that a Michael Jordan reference? I don't know. You just mentioned a lot of development. I mean, Levis would fall into that boat as well. I mean, Levis and Richardson have different elements of development. Of course, a lot of people think I think Richardson's ceiling is higher. So um, they think it's what outer space. I'm- <laughs> <laughs> is that good? Pluto? It, it, it's a great question. I I don't know what I would do just yet and I wish I had like again a concrete answer I have I am probably a little bit higher on Levis than most what about trade back yeah but again man if you trade back are you losing out on a defensive generational piece like at some point my opinion is this if you're drafting the top five you got to get generational you have to get generational I agree and it needs to be at a generational position as well um, so that would be my concern there of trading back. But I say that, and then I'm like, man, if all of a sudden you trade back and now you've got ammo to go get Caleb Williams next year at one, which I don't think is a slam dunk, it's impossible to predict that, that would be something that you would you would look at. I think a team in your own division you'd be competing with for that first overall pick next year would be Tennessee. Boy, that's a great point. Especially, we'll see how the Derrick Henry thing. And if they actually part with Tannehill or not. Right. That was... I think it was Zach, right? Yes, okay. Drew has a very similar question. That's why I was making sure it wasn't the same question. Do you think Chris Ballard even tried to call the Chicago Bears while the Panthers did give up their 2023 first and second, 2024 first, and then the second's actually in 2025, right? Yes, uh uh-huh. And their wide receiver won. This is about the most important position in sports. Did the Colts just squander their chances to get their guy? I think they called for sure, Eddie. But again, this is a reminder, and I tried to mention this throughout January and February, the Colts have relationships with Chicago. Chris Bowen has relationships with Ryan Poles and Matty Rufos. It ain't about relationship. It's about what goods are you bringing to the table. Yep. You know? (laughs) Second sneeze of the morning. Um... Gesundheit. And that is where the DJ Moore thing factors. You know, I, I like Michael Pittman a lot. And I'm not acting like DJ Moore is some top five wideout. But, but the dude has a thousand yards in every year of his NFL career, despite the you, crappy quarterback play. When you've been durable, and I, I think it's three thousand yard seasons, when you've had that, that is what is going to be attractive um, to, to Chicago in that case. So relationships are great, but when it comes to trading, man. About the goods. I feel like the Colts could have put together a package if they wanted to. That's that's the key word, if they wanted. If they wanted to, but then you factor in, Eddie, can you support your quarterback enough? And I think Carolina feels like they could do both. You could argue, but if you look at Carolina's draft picks moving forward, especially this year, they're going to have to hit, but I, I still think they have an opportunity to support their quarterback. And, of course, they got free agency. Yeah, and if you, I mean, if you're if you're Chicago, just imagine like the it would be like the dream scenario for you. You trade out of one, you get a couple picks, you get a yeah. wide receiver, take Jalen Carter at nine, or you take Skaronsky or a left tackle, and yeah. then boom, there you go. You've already completely helped Justin Fields, uh, in 
to become a way better quarterback than he was this past season. Max question is next. He says, hey, Kevin, question for the pod. I was initially anti-Lamar Jackson just because I wanted a quarterback on a rookie contract. However, that was assuming we were getting a top two quarterback in the draft. Have your thoughts on Lamar to the Colts changed with Carolina trading for the first pick? Love the pod and thanks for entertaining us Colts fans during the offseason. Remember that, Max. Obviously the name of Little Max Bowen, just six months old now. Shout out to Max. How's he doing? He's small, uh, but no, he's a smiley, young, young, young child, and we love him a lot. Six month appointment coming up on Thursday. We'll see if he exits Woo-hoo. the fourteen uh, percentile. Or Let's go wherever he's at later. Um, again, it's made me look into it more. I don't think it changes it enough, but I've looked into it. You know, I think I mentioned earlier, Eddie, the combination of picks, money. Injury and the style, just a hair too much for me. It's it just it, it. I like I like Lamar Jackson. I think he's proven that he could be a pretty solid thrower in this league. But you know, Eddie, we all I think you and I and our generation can look at it like this: Lamar Jackson's a ninety-nine, I assume, in Madden with the speed. Very close. I don't know if he's a full ninety-nine. Got to be pretty close. All right. What if that becomes ninety-one? Now, what does that do to him? Is he still worth guaranteed money? Is he still worth that into his 30s? If he's 91 speed, what does that do to his passing? The defense maybe doesn't have to commit as much to him as a runner. Yeah. So maybe they now are committing a little bit more as a passer. That's what concerns me. Um, yeah. Daniel Jeremiah brought this up on Twitter. Had me just thinking. If I'm Indianapolis, here's the million-dollar question. Would you rather spend the fourth pick on the fourth-best quarterback in this class or trade that pick in next year's first for Lamar Jackson? Obviously, the money is drastically different, but I still think it's an easy call. See, I I just think it's more than – I mean, he acts like the money is just (laughs) – it's nothing. Like, First off, I don't think the Colts would spend that money. Let let me make that very clear. I I don't think Jim Irsay is operating (laughs) – on that, well, I mean th- that's an Ursay call. Let's be totally honest. More than Ballard, I mean, sure Ballard is somewhat involved, but that's that's an Ursay call with how much money guaranteed wise would be thrown out there. Um, hey man, he's a very it, exciting guy. It, 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 it's more than that, you know. It's just you're talking about giving a primarily runner quarterback into his 30s guaranteed money and a guy that has missed. Nine of thirty-three games each of the, or combined the last two years, and late into those seasons, it's wilted and it's. Now here's my here's my question to you though. It's already it's already coming out, and it's from former Ravens and current Ravens that Greg Roman is a really bad offense coordinator to play for if you're wide receiver because you don't get the ball. So my question here is: Is it was he more of a running quarterback because the system he was in? And the lack of pass, true pass, pass catchers. Like, yeah, I don't think that helped him. Certainly, Demarcus Robinson is not a number one, and he was their number one. If I'm paying a guy guaranteed money, like let's put him and Mahomes, it's probably unfair comparison. But I mean, let's say him and Burrow side by side. Who's got more staying power in their career, Burrow or Lamar Jackson? I would say Burrow. I mean, he's already made it to the Super Bowl. And again, staying power. Like that is my thing. Like if you, who is going to last into their thirties a little bit better? That to me is what you got to think about when you're paying him guaranteed money 
into that age 30. Again, I brought up Michael Vick earlier. Like, it's that to me is what stands out more than anything else. Another part of this that I don't think we talk about enough, KB, Baltimore has the chance to match whatever offer it is. Sure. Sure. And I think that's what's going to end up happening and you regardless. you got to two first-round picks. I, yeah. I probably haven't stressed that enough. Does it have to be this year? I, I don't believe so, but obviously you would, wa- you would want to know that, you know, before the draft starts. And I'm assuming Baltimore would want it to be sure. this year? Sure, Baltimore would want it to be this year as well. Again, I don't think the Colts would do it. I want to make that clear, but I, I agree with them. I, I, I would not do that. I don't think Baltimore let him walk. I, I, I just don't. I think they're... I think there's a lot of agents out there that agree with you. I think they're just giving up. They're like, hey, we've tried all we can do. Someone else do all this work, and whatever it is, we'll just counter. Yeah, I, I, yeah, I think that is that is great. Uh, Wake Spike, so now that the Panthers have the first overall pick, we're going to tank, right? I know the players try every season, but the past two times we took a quarterback, it has been a highly touted or generational talent. Maybe this is Ursay's formula. We'll have a heck of a t- uh, tackle, though. Yeah, I, I've thought about 2024 more and more, but you know what? It's just, it, it's still not a lock. It, it's just, it's just not a lock. You can have a team that you know whatever their quarterback tears their ACL in week one, and now they are in the hunt. And I think that's, I think that's why the opportunity to trade back would come across Ballard's mind. Maybe, hey, maybe I can you know scoop up a first next year if I trade back or. Yeah. Can I trade a to X player and get a 2025 first? And next thing you know, you have some ammo to maybe even do what Carolina did this year. And you trade up to a team that's got their quarterback. Let's say, you know, they, like you just said, they finish within the top three and their quarterback gets hurt. I just think the Colts have too much talent to be. I agree. Bad. Like, you know, one in 16 bad, nor is Shane Sykin going to want to. I mean, no one yes. wants to do that, but. Yeah. Um, I don't think they'll be in that boat. Is Chris Ballard so stubborn he sits at four and lets all the quarterbacks go? Or do you think he moves up a spot? That's from Jordan. You got to get to three. I think you got to get to three and try and get control. I don't think they will, but that's what I would do. Um, and there's more. I mean, there's there's reasons. There's reasons why I've laid out throughout this podcast that I think you've got to get back to three. Um, I, I, I would... If you're going to make me guess, I would assume he stays at four, but I would get up to three. Are you a pumpkin guy? What would that? Uh, sure. Do you like pumpkin? Yeah. I mean, I'm not like pumpkin Pum- spice latte or- What about pumpkin pie? Whatever it is. Um, I can do it. Yeah. What yeah, about yeah, pumpkin yeah. pastries? Oh, I don't, don't know if I've had one. Well, our next question comes from pumpkin pastry. They are an active uh, Twitter question sender. Uh, rank these- Worst or saddest days as a Colts fan? Number one, Andrew Luck retiring. Uplifting. Numero dos, Peyton Manning's press conference. Trace, Panthers trading to number one. Four, losing the Super Bowl to the Saints. (laughs) Well, I I laugh because I think it's rather outrageous throwing the Panthers trading to one on the list with the three (laughs) others. Like, three by a long shot those all had some finalities to it all um i'm looking up right now what would cost to trade from four to three looks like it would cost about a future second kind of a middle second round pick which is pretty rich but still um well i i'm gonna kind of spin this eddie first off it is clearly 
I mean, the worst, saddest day is Colts as a Colts fan. I think I think it's got to be losing losing the Super Bowl. I know the Manning press conference might qualify as saddest, but if you could win two Super Bowls, that to me stands out more than another. Then it's probably the Manning press conference purely emotional. If you don't have an emotional side, luck retired would probably go next because then you're in quarterback purgatory. Um, I, I do think it's worth mentioning this. The Colts can still get this right. Like, w- what was my biggest takeaway from Friday? You've lost control, yep. more control. I, yep. I have not said that you that you can't get it right. You can certainly still get this right. It's just that it's become more difficult. Like, again, you need more hope and more development to get it right. What if um, Arizona stays pat? Because, I mean, they just hired Jonathan Gannon, defensive-minded guy. Sure, sure, sure. Lose sure. J.J. Watt. You've got Kyler Murray. I mean, why not sit there and take well, Will Anderson again. Th- that adds to the hope. I, I I understand why Arizona would do that. I would think Arizona is also fielding a lot of calls right now. That would be pretty attractive to a new GM. I think it's worth mentioning a new GM is going to want picks, and they have patience. You would think. I know Kyler's the age he's at, but if they can add some picks, Kyler might might look at that and say, "Yeah, Will Anderson be great." But what if we could add kind of two or three? And maybe Arizona's not moving that far back. If Arizona moves back to you know. Detroit at six or Las Vegas at seven, they still get a pretty good defensive player, and then they get something else. Yeah, they can add to later in the draft. We'll see what happens with DeAndre Hopkins. But again, let me make this clear: the Colts still. I am not saying that you know doom and gloom and like oh my gosh, fire Ballard tomorrow because of the Panthers trading up to one. It's just a reminder of why Ballard, in my opinion, should have been on the hot seat, and you've lost some control. Yep, those are. My biggest thoughts. Uh, Patrick says, hey, Kevin, am I way off for th- in thinking that Lamar Jackson may be the last resort option for Chris Ballard to save his job outside of hitting the lottery? What a Theoretically- great week for Patrick, by the way. Yeah, I know. St. Patrick? Okay. <laughs> yeah. Uh, is he way off for thinking that Lamar Jackson may be the best resort or last resort option for uh, Ballard to save his job outside of hitting the lottery, theoretically getting the third quarterback in the draft? Uh, left feeling pretty very skeptical about the Colts' future after the Carolina trade. Maybe we'll get lucky and Stroud drops. And Patrick, I'm right there with you. I was just as devastated, especially now seeing the odd shift and. All the all the rumors saying Carolina wants Stroud because I was head over heels for that man. You know, Patrick, I, I'm almost done with predicting Chris Ballard's job status. I mean, you know, he's got a contract through 2026, and I've said this before. And Eddie, nine north of 90 percent of GMs would have been fired already. You know, when you go six years and playing in one of, if not the worst division of football, you don't win it. You win one playoff game. You don't have an answer at quarterback. Your roster-building approach has not worked out. Six years is a long time in the NFL. Yeah. A long time in the NFL. So, again, I, I'm I'm done predicting Bowers' job status. <laughs> I, just, I, I think Jim Mercer is going to continue to give him a chance. Last question comes from Flippin. How do you think Jim Irsay is feeling about getting the third quarterback in the draft? He was just talking about the kid from Alabama. Boy, it's I'm so curious, Eddie, what Jim Irsay's thinking. Which I know you could say about a lot of walks of life. <laughs> but like <laughs> I mean, David Tepper's hungry. Carolina's owner, David Tepper's hungry. I I, I mean Ursay would strongly disagree with this, but has Jim Irsay lost some of that? 
Like Jim Irsay has been content with the Colts not getting the bat off the shoulders of quarterback. Yeah. Which is so weird. Weird. Because again, he was a GM at one point. He tried to make the swing for Jeff George. He's seen what Peyton Manning and Andrew Luck can do for your franchise. Like the fact that you don't take that swing. And, and you know what, Eddie? What did the Pacers do last February? They traded DeMontis Sabonis for Tyrese Halliburton and Buddy Heald. And what did that give their fan base? Hope. Hope, hope, hope. hope. The four-letter word we use quite often. Life. Injection of life. Energy. Energy. Um, A A direction. That, you know, I run into people in public, we talk about the Pacers, honestly, probably more than the Colts. Like, that is what you want. In Jim Mercy's case, yes, it's the NFL, but what if you go a whole offseason without hope? You know, hope is really only going to come from a quarterback pick. And even if it's Levis or Richardson, I know some people will be anti that, but at least you're still going to have some curiosity, intrigue. You want to see what that guy could bring to the table. I do think that is a part of, if you're the owner, do you think about that part to it? Again, I still think the Colts will take a quarterback, but boy, it's just it's lost a little bit of conviction for me. It's very deflating. Yeah, that that's that's probably a good way to put it. Do we like cave for Caleb? What about crumble for Caleb? I thought collapse for Caleb was good. Collapse for Caleb, yeah, that was good as well. Caleb doesn't have like a very like a rhymable name, which is difficult. Winless for Williams. Well, that that's beautiful. That is Pure gold. I just thought of that one. I better I better uh, trademark I that. Say, you might need to uh, tweet that out. All right, man. You got anything else? I don't think so. I just um, ready for uh, – by the way, I don't know if we're going to have a pot out before Thursday uh, or before the NCAA tournament starts. So yes. just just as a precautionary measure here. Uh, who you got winning the NCAA you know tournament? Team, Do you know I, I honestly need to look at the bracket a little bit closer. A team that I really like is UConn. Me too. Now, they're playing the fight in Patinos, is that right, in round one? The Gales, indeed. So that worries me a little bit, but I'm going to have UConn making a run. Ooh. You like? You love? You hate? Yeah, I like UConn, too. The team that I've been on for a little while is Marquette, but the one thing that concerns me about Marquette is they don't have a uh, interior presence. They don't have a guy that can rebound down low. I also think Arizona big. will get on a run. I, I, I love that team, too. Yeah, that's where that's where I'll probably go when it's all said and done. All right, man. Um, we'll probably be back at some point this week. Again, we're an hour away from the legal tampering period, so um, that could go one of two ways. So we'll, we'll see how that all, all unfolds. Um, our morning show, all week long, Kevin and Corey, 7 to 10 a.m., right here in Indianapolis. It's 93.5, 107.5, The Fan. Uh, you can listen live by downloading the app or to the stream on our website. Thank you guys for listening to this edition of Kevin's Corner. We'll probably be back later this week. Talk a little bit more free agency. See ya.